something magical happens when you turn off your phone and you truly focus on another person and allow them to share their story. And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happened out there? How you guys doing today? I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 53 of the Chris and Christine Show, do, 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 the official launch of year number two. Yes, it actually is. If you remember last episode, that was our f- official one-year anniversary episode, which means right now we are officially, as of today, on to podcasting year number two. Yes, we are. So, Chris, how does it feel to be an expert now that we've crossed expert. through? We've crossed through our first trial year, and now you're into year two expert status. You so, stuck with it. So we kind of got the kinks ironed out right now. So by now we should we should be, you know, grizzled veterans uh, on this podcasting thing. So <laughs> grizzled veterans? I don't know what that means. Tell me. Well, it's like you know you're a vet. Like you've actually done it. Like you've have seen the blood, sweat, and tears of the podcasting world, and that you are a pro. Okay. Professional. Well, well uh, pro Chris, um, how, how does it feel? It feels pretty good for the most part. You know, I actually do enjoy doing the podcasting, and I really do enjoy the podcasting community, especially on Twitter. It's huge on Twitter and Facebook and on Instagram and all other fun places too, but it's really nice to really be appreciated for what we actually do this little fun little project of a podcast this little hobby like hey let's do a podcast it'll be fun what are you doing tonight you want to do a podcast sure whatever let's 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 try this well and now in covid it's become date night yes pretty much or date Uh, day as it is today yes we are recording this on sunday sunday fun day everybody yep how you doing so, being that it is Sunday and it is a fun day, we are doing the podcast episode, what did you say, 53? 53. Can you believe it actually made 53? Or should we just call it like episode one of year two? Should we like start the numbers no, over again? No, I don't want to do seasons. I don't, I don't want to do that because I will lose track. And the reason why we put episode numbers in front of our podcast is really so we keep track of them and we figure out which episode is which. And it's just, it's just for catalog, catalog and uh, reference points, things like oh, that. Oh, that makes sense. Well, for me, it does. I yeah. Don't know. I guess if we were to start over again at one, it would be like 2.1. And I don't think you can do that in when it comes to podcasting. So I mean, you can do whatever you want. I mean, it's up to you. That's yeah. the beauty of podcasting. It's really whatever you want to do. I mean, there's a podcast about anything and everything. Yeah, there really is. It's such a huge community. And no matter what your interest is, I'm sure that you can find it in one of the podcasts that's out there. So shout out to all the up and coming podcasters. Hooray for you, making it every week or every other week or once a month, however often you podcast. Right. Kudos to you for putting in the good work. Good job. That's right. Give yeah. a little pl- applause if I had it, but I would give you one right now. <laughs> well, well, Chris, what's been happening with you this week? In this week, well, um, last week we were telling you guys, if you remember that, our wedding venue in Hawaii, we were kind of debating on whether or not what we were going to do with the whole Hawaii situation because Hawaii, the governor said... Er, we're back to lockdown for right. we don't know how long, at least November. So we are getting married in November in Hawaii. Well, well we, we were. We were. But after all that wonderful news, we have decided to pivot and make the ultimate decision of having the wedding 
here in town in San Diego. No more Hawaii. Hawaii, we'll get back to you when you guys are open and you got everything figured out. But as far as right now, we have canceled our Hawaii wedding. Right. But what was that trigger point, Chris? We went and we visited somewhere on Sunday. And uh, do you remember like the conversation after that? Uh, you talked about the the uh, backup wedding venue we went yeah. and saw in Point mm-hmm. Loma. Mm-hmm. This wedding venue it happens to be the uh, girl. What's it called? The, the Thursday Club. Th- you know what? Why do they call it the Thursday Club, not the Friday Club? Because they think, used to meet on Thursdays. You know, Friday Club sounds more important because it's Friday. Yeah, we're going clubbing. Oh come on. Well, that's how well it's we went to the Thursday Club. Yes, but it was we didn't we. It's funny we went to the Thursday club on Sunday. You need to go there on Thursday. It's really get the full effect. Yeah, but anyways, you went to this club. It's at, uh, what was it built like in the twenties? Uh, yeah, nineteen late nineteen twenties, early nineteen thirties. This big club with a stage and um, an outdoor outdoors like patio garden area with a fountain, and it overlooks the ocean. Big panoramic views of the ocean of San Diego, uh, out there on the ocean, so Pacific Ocean. So. We're going to have our wedding there in the outdoor garden because so far in California, they've restricted the insides. Nobody can have anything inside. So we're going to have to do it on the outside. Right? Well, well, the governor just came out on Friday and said that churches can begin to meet. And this falls under like the faith organizations that the Thursday Club does. But you can't have more than 100 people and physical distancing. So but that came out just this Friday. So we did go to the venue Funny fact, fun fact, you know, Chris, when we when we decided to get married in Hawaii, it was because we'd gone out for quotes on like different venues in San Diego. And I remember we were on our flight to Hawaii last October and we were talking about wedding budget and finances and what kind of an event we wanted to have. And when we looked at the numbers that came in from San Diego, it was like way out of our budget, right? Do you remember that? Well, if you want something on the ocean overlooking the, you know, the beach and all that stuff, of course. But if you wanted like a simple backyard wedding, it's whatever. But Right. Uh, but, but but what we wanted was that kind of ocean view. And when we'd gone out for quotes, we were looking at like fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars for a small intimate gathering with a reception. And at that time, one of the very first venues that I found online was the Thursday Club. And they had this beautiful view. And I thought it was absolutely gorgeous. But they had a requirement of a ceremony with an on-site reception. You couldn't just have one. Oh, really? So, But right now, the way things – you know, this whole COVID thing, it's changing minute by minute. Because when we looked at on Thursday, the rules were you couldn't have anybody inside, right. any groups inside. Now they're saying you can um, I don't know what the rule is really anymore, but we did do on Thursday. We talked to them, and I believe Christine did book it for our wedding. Just do an out, outdoor ceremony and the outdoor patio like deck area they have, right? Right, yeah, because with COVID happening, a lot of companies and businesses and organizations, especially nonprofits, are trying to figure out how they can keep things moving forward and still have a little bit of income. And so the Thursday Club figured out, you know, we have this beautiful garden. It typically seats up to 100, but with social distancing requirements, it can fit like 40. And so they can have small, they call micro weddings of like 40 to 50. And um, yeah, the price is like just there. We're allowed to just have a ceremony there. It's a quarter of the previous ceremony price. 
and we don't have to have the reception there. So we saved a significant amount of money, which is great because we're still fighting to get all of our money back from our vendors. Yeah, we tried to cancel everything in Hawaii because but the problem is some of the stuff we purchased with cash, like a bank debit card type purchase. So it's hard to get the money back versus, say, a credit card. If you now, this is a little tip for everybody yep, out tip. there. If you guys ever book any trips, anything in the future where things might have to get canceled, I would recommend if you have a credit card, use the credit card for those purchases because what happens is you can call the credit card company and without any questions, they will dispute that charge and get your money back ASAP. Because some of the venues, some of the hotels, some places in Hawaii are very being very uh, they don't want to give the money back. You right. Know? And it's understandable because they're like hemorrhaging money right now. But at the same token, like you can't provide a service because we can't go and get married. And at first, like the chapel, we had we were allowed to have like 85 guests. So we sent out save the date cards to everyone. And then they emailed us and said you had to bring the guest count down to 40. And so we had to send out these. I'm so sorry that you can't come letters and we felt horrible about it. And now they're saying, you know, in Hawaii, the restrictions are down to five people gathering. And so the company has a clause that says, even if only five people can gather, we're still technically fulfilling our obligation to provide you a wedding ceremony, even if the only people that can show up are you and your fiance and our pastor. And so, you know, they finally, with the lockdown extending, we think next week they told us to just hold off on actually canceling the chapel. We've canceled everything else because they might be able to fully refund all of our money. Because they were only going to give us 80% back. Not even that. It, when it came down to it, it was only going to be 55, 60%. Of the money we've already spent on the place. And we can't even get there because we can't go to Hawaii. So how dare you not give <laughs> our whole money back? And I tried because like... You know, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. We really were focused on paying cash for our wedding, paying everything in advance. Well, it's come around to bite us in the butt, literally, because I'm not able to now get the money back. I paid for stuff like for the chapel. I paid for that from my debit card. It's cash money out of my bank account. I went to my bank to say, you know, I didn't use a credit card. I went through you. I used a Visa debit card. Can you help me recover the funds? And they said, no, when did you purchase it? And I said, well, I paid the deposit in November for services that will be rendered this coming November. And they said, well, it's more than 60 days from the date of purchase. You can't dispute the charges anymore. And I'm like, but it was the deposit. And so I went round and round. And so bottom line, our fate when it comes to the chapel money is in the hands of the chapel itself. And so we appreciate your good vibes. Um, good. That's not good vibes at all. That's horrible. No, we appreciate like good vibes being sent our way as they decide whether or not to refund our money this coming week. Well, I would suggest, I suggested get the money back ASAP. Even if it's half the money, get it back ASAP because there might be a point where you never get the money back and I would be so pissed off. The whole thing, the whole situation pisses me off because Language. if you cannot go physically to the island and you can't physically stay in the hotel, they should, they should give you the whole refund back. You right. haven't been there yet. You haven't right. purchased their item. You haven't gone there and experienced their thing. That's another thing, too. Like, the beaches are closed, too. Like, restaurants are closed. Even if you could go there, it's like no more than five people can gather at one time, and everything's closed. Horrible. Yeah. Well, but switching to more positive topics, um, the last week has been extremely stressful because we pivoted 
And then we were like, okay, we have two and a half months to plan a local wedding and we need to pay for everything and secure everything. I'm very happy to say we have all of our major vendors and everything secured. For Unfortunately, our numbers still have to stay small because our backyard, which is where we're having the reception. Well, we are? Oh, come on. Check that out. Our, come on now. You know this. I, of course I know. I'm just playing it up. Okay. You know? Play along. You yeah. Know? So our backyard is where we're going to have the reception is limited just to the same amount as the actual wedding reception or the wedding ceremony. Um, so we're not able to have a large gathering as we would have loved to have all of our family and our friends. But exciting thing is through this process, I've met some really cool people and one of whom is the pastor that's going to be marrying us. Oh, really? Who's this guy? Oh my gosh. You keep acting like you don't know. Well, I okay, it's for the audience, okay? <laughs> gosh, play along, all right? Oh so who is this person? So he is a senior pastor of Canyon Springs Church, which ends up being in the same denomination as the one I was raised in. And he's a fellow podcaster. What? Yep, of the Ten Check Steps Further Ten Steps Further podcast. And Chris and I have been invited to be a guest on their show. Really? When? When we do this? Well, we're going to be on their show this upcoming week on Wednesday. Um, I don't know when the episode is going to air, but um, I got to go online and I watched their church service because I wanted to know more about them. And oh my gosh, I just fell in love with just his, his wife was actually preaching this week and I really loved their message. And we're going to talk about that in a, um, at the end of the show today. But I just think that you find really unique people along your journey in life. And this week is no different when we think about the guest that we have on our show who has met some really unique people as she's progressed in her podcasting journey. And so I'm really excited to be able to talk more about that and more about the wedding right after this. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. This is the Nostalgia Junk Podcast, where one person's junk is another person's childhood. I'm Matt McGraw. And I'm Kyle Smith. Join us each week as we take a deep dive into your pop culture consciousness and discuss everything from movies, TV, music, cartoons, toys, video games, and more. And we want to hear from you, so connect with us. Nostalgia means so many different things to so many different people, so share with us your favorite piece of nostalgia. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at NostalGunkPod. And you can subscribe to us on all the major podcast platforms. Let's get this thing up to 88 miles per hour, and we'll see you next week. Okay, and welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining us again. And our next guest happens to be a stay-at-home mom who also, like everybody else out there, has got a podcast. <laughs> Please, welcome to the show, Shannon Hall. Hello, and thank you guys so much for having me on. Oh, we're so excited to have you on. I love having other moms on the show for sure. It's true. I, I am a I'm a full-time mom and now online education facilitator <sighs> slash podcaster slash maker of dreams. All of these things. <laughs> well, it's better than crusher of dreams, you know. <laughs> 
Sometimes I will say I am the dream crusher. Oh, no. So, Shannon, what part of the world are you coming to us from today? I am from Seattle, Washington. Is that where you are right now in Seattle? Yes, I am in Seattle right now. I'm in my, I'm in the basement studio that I have in my house in our guest room. You have basements in Seattle? No way. It's true. We do. Yes. So fun. Now, are you like in Seattle proper, like in the city or in the burbs? Yes, I am in the city. I live really close to University of Washington. Oh, that's awesome. Go Huskies, right? Isn't that what it is? Go Huskies. Yes. I remembered. Are are you a Seahawks Seahawks fan? I mean, my house, we are Denver Bronco fans, but we, we will cheer for the Seahawks when they're on. It's true. Okay, okay. Backtrack. How did that happen? (laughs) My husband is from Denver. He's from actually a smaller town called Longmont, Colorado, and is a you know a life Denver Bronco fan. So we we wear both jerseys in our house. I gotcha. I gotcha. Now, were you you were raised in Seattle, and he was he was from Denver. I I actually was born in Spokane, Washington, and then moved to Portland when I was uh, eight. And then ended up in Seattle after I graduated from college. And that's where I met my husband. Oh, that's awesome. What did you study when you went to college? I was a marketing major at Ooh. Santa Clara University. Ooh, Marketing fantastic. major. It's true. Wow. Yeah. So are you, are you currently doing that now? Uh, no, I, like I said, I've been a full-time mom, let's see, for nine years. So I did work in marketing before I music is my own personal passion point. So I, I always had kind of these little niche careers on the fringes of the music industry, but I ended up in partnerships and promotions. Mainly I worked for a company and ran their sponsorship of the Latin Grammys. And then I moved on to another agency and I did sponsorships for Xbox. Oh, wow. Was this the first Xbox when they first came out? Like Xbox, the original? No, it was just the U S Xbox team. You know, oh. twelve years ago. Oh, not the not the game system. Yeah, the game system, Xbox. But it, yes, it was like the original Xbox. Isn't there only one? Uh, no. You know what's funny? There is an Xbox One, which happens to be like Xbox Five. <laughs> if you if you line it up, but well, uh, but it's all it all comes out of Microsoft, so it all comes from the overall Xbox. Okay. So you're umbrella. like that. You have like different the- generations of each Xbox, but it's all whether it's one or ten, it's all an Xbox. So you're like the original OG Xbox team. That's pretty amazing, or at least marketing for them. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We were an agency and we did sponsorship deals and product placements, all that kind of thing. It was pretty fun. It was a great job. And then I I traveled a lot and decided that this was not going to be sustainable if I wanted to have a family. And so I ended up leaving that job and I have been home with my kids ever since. That's fantastic. Now, I know you get mad respect from me because moms that stay home to run the household, it is more than what people call it as a stay-at-home mom. You're a domestic engineer, been (laughs) in lots of different plates. But I was wondering, from your perspective, how has life changed as a full-time mom at home in the midst of COVID? That's a great question. My first inclination is to say, well, you know, everything has changed. And in some ways, nothing has. I think not having a break during the day to kind of clear your mind mm-hmm. or do your actual work that you want to do while your kids are gone, having that time evaporate has been really hard. At the same time, 
I truly, truly feel like I have so much privilege because I do get to stay at home and I am not trying to balance a big career while trying to facilitate my kids' education. So for me, I feel like I kind of have no room to say that life has changed. And I feel so lucky that hit it, that it's actually my job to facilitate this stuff for my kids because so many people just have it infinitely harder. Oh yeah, definitely. So you were before COVID shut everybody down. You were already staying at home already, right? Yeah, I've been home for nine years. So was your was your child? Um, was it a boy or a girl? You have? I had my son first, and he is going to turn nine at the end of August, and my daughter is five. Oh, one of each. Check you I out. So, so, which one do you love better? That's all I want to know. <laughs> oh, Chris. <laughs> I mean, I could tell you, but I don't want it public. <laughs> <laughs> we all know it's a boy. Come on. <laughs> oh, come on. Chris. I love my baby angels equally. Yeah, I say the same thing too, but we got a favor, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but the way my mom says it. My, it depends on the day. Yes, exactly. And my mom, she is a mom of four girls, and she says, Every star has its time to shine. And I told her that's just your way of telling me I'm your favorite today. I'll take it. That is so, that is so true. Every star <laughs> does have their time to shine. Yes, that's true. And I will, I'll, you know, I will tell them like whoever brushes their teeth first is my favorite for five minutes. I say that too. <laughs> I do the same thing too. I always say who's my favorite of the day. Who's my favorite of the day? Whoever cleans your room first is the favorite of the day. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, you know, I came from having a really nice career that I loved. And so, for me, it really was a decision to stay at home. And I think uh, the older I get, kind of the one thing that irritates me the most is when people say, I just, I'm not built to be a stay at home mom. I could never do it. And I just kind of, you know, I wasn't built to be a stay at home mom either. I am crazy type A for sure. And I am a doer. I have not a lot of patience, but I just kind of made the decision that this was going to be my job and I run a tight ship and I support my husband who runs a pediatric dental practice here in Seattle. And that is really demanding. And I, you know, support him in that. And so that's, that's just kind of the way that our life works, but I'm not sure. I always have trouble when people say like, Oh, I could never be a stay at home mom. I'm just not designed to do that. I, I would argue that most of my friends would say, that I am the last person they ever thought would stay at home. But it just is sort of what has worked well for our family. And it's great for my kids, especially now when they do need their parents more than ever for that security and, and yeah, you know, yeah. Steady. Well, some, some parents um, that I can relate to um, probably get very frustrated if their kids are there with them all the time <laughs> and they're, and they can't get a break, you know, they need that mom, mom I mean, line time. That's, that's just all of us, you know, right. that's being a, that's just being a human being, but you know, women are taking on a lot in COVID and I'm, I'm super proud to be a mom and I'm super proud of my friends and my community that I've seen who have stepped up and said, okay, we're going to, you know, figure this out. We're going to work. We're going to do this and we're going to do the best we can. I don't know. I, I see a lot of warriors also. Warriors, huh? I yeah. agree with that. I really do agree with that. And thank you, Shannon, so much for calling that out. I've been having talks with a lot of my different friends that are ladies, and some have a full-time job and are working remotely from home while you know, doing all the things. And then there's others that, like you, um, were able to be full-time at-home moms. And it's thrown a lot of different, well, men and women, 
regardless well, thank you of, for including us right regardless of gender roles but it's it's thrown all of us for a loop but i appreciate how um you've kind of couched it as like the way that we approach it is really important too and i think for us here at home we have kids going in and out because we co-parent with other former spouses and so um for us it's that that additional layer of the balancing act of okay we have them on Monday, Tuesday for school, so we need to make sure they're on track and then make sure that the next parent knows what to do Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's the other thing too where I don't think there's ever been a situation where unilaterally everybody has it so difficult. And so on the scale of difficulty, like I said, like I am, I, I feel guilty about the amount of privilege I have to stay at home in a house that's equipped with technology, with internet access, you know, I have the ability to buy school supplies and be there for my kids. And so on the overall scale of how difficult this is, I think it's really important to remember where you fall on that. And so everybody else, this is not easy for a single person, but, you know, I have two women I know who have been going through breast cancer treatment and surgery during COVID who have kids at home who can't see anybody who, you know, I can't help them because they are so quarantined. Right. And so, you know, you see things like that and it, it's important to have that perspective, even though it's really hard. Yeah, definitely. Now you've brought up a topic that, um, Chris and I clued into on a couple of your podcast episodes, but you talk a lot about privilege. So it sounds like something that you've had to kind of come to grips with around, um, the privileges that you carry in this life. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's something that I really feel like as I have gone through the process of interviewing so many people, you know, I do feel like I have awakened in a new way through the process of starting my podcast. Honestly, it's not like I haven't known the privilege that I was born into and, you know, not having any debt from college, being a, a white middle-class woman. Um, but it, it just becomes more and more evident the more you talk to people that have different stories than I do that you realize there, there are circumstances that you cannot possibly understand. And it's very important to own that. And it's very important to listen. Yeah. So do you feel like you're kind of, we're, we're like in a bubble, so to speak? Yeah, for sure. I grew up, you know, in a really sheltered, amazing community, right? Like no, I'm not complaining about it at all, but yes, I was sheltered. My mom, you know, did a really good job, you know, not letting us watch rated R movies. And, you know, so yeah, I was really sheltered, but in a, in the healthiest way possible, I would say like in the way that I would like to shelter my kids. But I also am fully cognizant that my kids are coming into a world that I'm not even going to fully understand. Mm -hmm. And so the importance of being honest with them about, you know, homosexuality, about racial differences, about inequities. I mean, that stuff is all very important. And we didn't necessarily talk about those things in my house, but I think that's only because my parents didn't really see it. I don't oh, think it wow. was their fault. I wow. think it was just because they were sheltered too, you know? And so I, I think it's, it's kind of an interesting thing when you're a parent and you can see like, okay, well, we live in a super liberal city, right? Where there are things right. that are a part of our conversation and vernacular that might not be as prevalent in smaller towns, but like, my son is nine and we talk about being gay. We have family members that are gay and it's amazing that, for example, we can talk about Lil Nas X and he loves the song Old Town Road. And I kind of just kicked into conversation. I'm like, hey, you know what? Another cool thing about Lil Nas X is like, not only is he like a 
awesome black rapper, but he's also like one of the first gay rappers that's openly out. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's awesome. And you're like, wow, that's cool. Yeah. Like, wow. Cool. They're cooler than we are. You know, they, they get it. They, with guidance, they understand and accept more than I think we did at that age. Right. Right. I would say that that's very true, but I also think it's in an, in an intentional approach to parenting because a lot of our kids are exposed to maybe different ideas than how we were raised, but our position as a parent on whether or not we're going to allow them to understand that, or if we're going to shut it down says a lot. So it speaks to you as a parent overcoming privilege and really being building awareness of, um, differences being respected and not being othered for lack of better terms. I, I did a, I, my latest episode that I did was with one of my good friends who adopted her son Jackson from Congo. And it was actually kind of embarrassing for me to admit to her that I really hadn't thought to talk to my own son, who's the exact same age as her son about race. And so it's, it just hadn't really occurred to me because you're just like, oh, they're, they're kids. They don't, you know, they don't recognize it yet. But, mm-hmm. but knowing now through these amazing conversations that I have had with people who have been willing to open up to me, they've kind of allowed me to see like, no, you really should be having these conversations. Like it's okay. And not to back away from those things that we were raised feeling were awkward or a little bit more taboo. Right. And so you've mentioned having some of these conversations um, and briefly mentioned your podcast, but what is the title of your podcast? The title of my podcast is Right in Front of My Face. What made you decide to call it that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's kind of a, it's, it is kind of a story, actually. I had taken a writing class two years ago. I love writing and I had taken a class just as something kind of fun to do. um, And it was kids literature, writing children's books. And so it was a six month course. And at the end of the course, I hadn't finished a kid's book, but our instructor who was amazing said, you know, let's just do a free write for our last class. So bring in whatever you want. And so I was kind of tired of my manuscripts and I sat down at this little coffee shop right by my house. And I took two hours and I wrote a personal essay about my experience with postpartum anxiety. Hmm. I hadn't really talked about it. I hadn't really done anything with it. I hadn't, I think even fully processed it. And so I'm sitting sobbing at this coffee house, kind of getting all of this out. And I read my essay to my writing class a couple of days later, and it touched a lot of women because it's just still one of those taboo topics that we do not talk about often as a culture. It ended up becoming like a really powerful topic for a lot of us to talk about. And Almost every woman, I think there were 10 of us in the room, almost every single one of us had said, this happened to me. This was me. I didn't realize it. So it was like a little, you know, ripple effect that happened just in that classroom. And one of the women had some connections at the Seattle Times. And she said, I feel like this is powerful enough that I want to help it get out into the world. And so she did an amazing editing job. And I ended up having this piece published a couple of weeks later as an op-ed in the Seattle Times. And so that's incredible. It, it was, it, it actually was, it was like this kind of miraculous thing where somebody, you know, I had a sponsor, this, this woman, Ruth, who said, I believe in this and I'm going to help you get it out there. And so that essay got published and I had kind of a tsunami of support come back at me. I had, I felt really naked 
putting that piece of writing out there and admitting like, yeah, I took meds. I really was not okay. And I got over it and I'm better and it doesn't define me, but this is what happened, right? It was just like, this happened. It's okay. If it's happening to you, get help. And so I had people calling me, texting me. I had a couple of people say, you know, I've been having panic attacks and I didn't realize it. And I just made an appointment with my doctor And I felt like by really opening myself up and making myself vulnerable actually had so much value and helped some other people realize some things about themselves. So fast forward a couple of years later, I had thought about starting a blog Mm -hmm. and had a friend be like, no, your personality needs to be on a podcast. And so kind of the rest is history, but I didn't want my podcast to be about me because I feel like my experience is limited. So I wanted to share these amazing stories that I had heard and I have very generous people willing to come on and share. And so some of the stories that have come out have been, you know, talking about reassigning genders and having a partner that's trans. Mm. My first episode is with actually my cousin who talks about his experience coming out as a gay man in Spokane. Um, Episode, I think, Three is my friend Tan, who is exactly my age, but shares her experience as a Vietnamese refugee. Oh, wow. Wow. And so, you know, on and on, these episodes are just featuring people who you would walk by on the street and have no idea that they had had these powerful stories or they are carrying these burdens. And I just kind of felt called to, you know, rip the bandaid off some of these wounds and say, let's maybe feel like we're not so alone in this. So how is it within your podcast? And I'm trying to figure out the best way to ask this, but how is it that you share the stories without re-traumatizing the individuals that you're interviewing? Like what is it in your approach that allows it to be semi-therapeutic, I guess, for, for those that are coming on your show? So you have to find people who are okay and ready to share their stories because I've asked people that aren't ready. And you oh, just really? Have, oh, really? yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, there are some topics that people are not ready to speak about. Like a lot of times, uh, you know, rape survivors are not ready to come forward with their stories. There are some people that have abuse issues that are just not willing or ready to come forward. And so part of it is, you know, broaching the subject very gently and very compassionately and saying, hey, if you ever want a platform to share what you've been through, like I would love to support that and being ready for people to say no. But for the most part, the people that agree to come on have have gone through some element of the healing process and want to put their stories out. Right, right. I would, hope, I would hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not, you know, I would never pressure someone to come on the show ever. Right. Right. And so, also uh what I was saying is that you said that people who have stories, almost every person in the world, at least our age, has had some kind of something they can talk about. Yeah, you know, so there's everybody's got a story, you know. Everybody has a story. And also it's it's about finding just smart people too. So COVID hit, all of a sudden I find myself just feeling absolutely powerless and confused. And I put out a call on Facebook that said, Hey, does anybody know an epidemiologist? Like, I just want to talk to someone smart about this. And I got 
connected with this wonderful epidemiologist from the UW School of Public Health named Allison Drake. And she and I put out actually two episodes where she just talks about COVID and answers my questions. And so in some, sometimes it's people sharing stories. Other times it's people sharing information. I do an episode with this amazing man named Kwabe Amoa Forsen, who started kind of his own mission to feed kids in Tacoma, Washington out of his, his van that's a nonprofit called the Peace Bus. Oh, wow. And so it's him sharing his story about how he started the Peace Bus and his mission to spread peace and teach kids about diplomacy. Um, And so it's finding people that are doing interesting things and with interesting things to share Um, because there is so much amazing work happening that people have just taken on and, and decided to do. So it's, it's been really exciting to go onto social media and use Twitter for good and find people that are doing amazing things and who want to, who want to come on and share them. So going off of that, Shannon, hearing about all of the different stories that you've been part of, I know you've briefly touched on this, but how has your podcast changed you as an individual? I've thought a lot about this actually, because it has, I think it started off just as kind of a fun hobby, but then after I got through about episode five, something kind of started to shift where something magical happens when you turn off your phone and you truly focus on another person and allow them to share their story. There's something special about that shared experience of compassion. Mm. And after a few episodes, it was like, no, I think this is something that I really want to continue doing. Like, I feel like it's important. And the the tough thing about podcasting is there's kind of no way to know your reach. Oh, yeah. Well, you, you have, always can look at the stats. The stats should tell you like the different cities as we always do. <laughs> cities and countries. You know, you do downloads and you, I have my map and like they're, my son and I actually love looking over the map because I've, it, it's unbelievable how many countries yep. oh, yeah. have downloaded episodes. I'm like, I'm crushing it in France. Like, <laughs> Really? I don't think we broke into France. Have we broke into France? I don't know if we have. have downloaded my podcast. And so, um, yeah, you have, you know, 4,600 downloads. That seems like a lot. I don't know. But you just have to know that something is resonating because people are continuing to download. Yeah, definitely. So the hard thing is to not know reach, but I know how I feel when I put out an episode and I'm enormously proud of, of the work that I have put out. And I'm so proud of the people who are willing to come forward. I'm feverishly working on season two and there you go. I know I'm, I'm, I, so we did, I did 10 episodes of season one and then ended up doing five more COVID related. And then I'm like, I got to stop here and really figure out what I'm doing. So I've booked about nine episodes for season two. And so it's just sort of something that until I run out of people who want to come talk to me, you won't, you won't (laughs) trust me. (laughs) I'll keep doing it, but, but I do love it. And the podcasting community is incredibly generous. I have found and super interesting. I decided to kind of really go outside of my comfort zone. I saw a call, an open call on Twitter for auditions for a podcast sitcom. Oh, wow. What what is that? 
Exactly what it sounds like. It's kind of a new genre of thing, but I just thought, well, this will be a fun way to use my equipment. Like I'll just try it. And I ended up getting cast in this podcast sitcom called Four is a Crowd. Awesome. And uh, yeah, I play a woman from Minnesota who's like a busybody building. Okay, company. okay. Now you got to give me a little taste. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, gotcha. I'll make you a casserole if you're sick. Oh, <laughs> um, so, oh there you so go. Where like doors open and it's it's just been unbelievable. And for somebody who has, you know, focused on being a mom for this long to to be 42 years old and be like, I don't know, this is kind of fun. Like I don't know where it will lead and it doesn't need to lead anywhere, but it feels really good to be creative. It feels really good to be social and think outside the box and be able to, you know, hustle a little bit. That was what I was good at when I was, you know, my career self, that was what I was really good at. And so it's nice to tap back into that area of myself that was asleep, but it's, I I woke her up and she's back. I love that so much. I, I love how you just said, like, it doesn't have to go anywhere because I think that so many times as women, as in general, in the American population, that we are driven to achieve something like, oh, well, we've got to get to this number of downloads, or we've got to get monetized or whatever it is. But how has that philosophy of just doing something for the pure joy of it impacted your family? I mean, I think for me, it's only affected me positively. Like, it's really fun to see my kids be like, whoa, this is cool. And it's <laughs> nice to have them see me do something else. And so that's been really fun to be like, no, you guys, I'm like, I'm smart. I I, I am like, I can do <laughs> something out. And it's been nice too, to remember that you can learn new things as a grown up, right? Like I did not know what a podcast was. I I have no idea what I'm doing even still, but I bought the equipment that would make it easy. Again, like privilege allows you to do things for the sake of doing them sometimes. And this is one of those things where it's like, yep, I had the means to buy my mixer and the, you know, time after bedtime to do it. And I know some really cool people and, you know, you're just able to kind of start something, but, but being able to put something out into the world that I feel like is good and contributing to a greater conversation has become now, especially now, more important to me than monetization, more than exposure, more than anything is like just trying to put good out into the universe where I feel like there is so much negativity. Um, what? When did you start doing your podcast, if we haven't uh, discussed that? I put out my first episode uh, October of last year. October. So I haven't been doing it a year. Oh, okay. October of last year. Was it very nervous doing the very first episode? And did you take many attempts to get it done downright? You know what's funny? No, I I haven't really ever done a lot of takes because my show is, you know, interview style. And because I do a lot of prep work before and I kind of, my, the people that come on know what we're going to talk about. Cause I do believe that you need to know what point you want to make when you start. Right. So you come on saying, okay, what, what do we want? people to leave thinking, right? Like right. I always want to educate about something so that, so we usually kind of know what we're going, what we're getting into before. But my first episode, like I said, was with my, my cousin, Joe, who I, you know, I adore him 
uh, on the worst day, he's the best. <laughs> and so he, he was like, I'm like, I've never done this before. So like, let's sit down. We shared a bottle of wine and we just talked into a microphone. And that was the first time I experienced where like you shut the door, you're in a room, your phones are off. And I, some, you know, some people have kind of natural superpowers. My superpower has always been being a really good listener and people tell me things, right? Like I'm super curious and I, I'm a good listener. And so something kind of happens when I'm able to focus on that level on somebody to just be like, no, seriously, tell me everything about that. And my commitment to all of my guests is that I will be a nonpartisan, nonjudgmental platform for their story. So, but when you first got started, like the very first thing you did, uh, when you got equipment, how did you even know what equipment to get? Because when we got, we jumped in here, we just went on Amazon and found whatever is the cheapest microphones we could find, just <laughs> to see if, yeah, see if this even works. If it doesn't work, well, like we're out twenty bucks. No. Who cares, you know? So I have an uncle who is a a freelance cameraman and has been in Seattle for many many years and. I had been thinking about doing this podcast and all of a sudden I kind of had a light bulb going. I'm like, oh my God, I need to call my uncle Dave. Like he'll know. So he set me up with his friend who's an audio engineer and this wonderful human being came over to my house. He told me what to get. We kind of researched it. He said, I think this product is really cool. If you want to start off, I will show you how to use it. So he came over to my house and I had gotten two, you know, cheap microphones and little boom arms and <laughs> right, I, right. Knew I wanted to do interview. I knew I was going to have to have two mics and I knew I needed to have a multi-channel recorder. Like I, I knew these things because I had had enough experience in production. Like I knew a minimal amount of things. And Gary came over to my house and sat down with me for like two hours and trained me on the roadcaster and gave me like a basic knowledge of audacity. And, um, I found my editor, my first editor, I think through Gary as well. And then my second, my second editor and kind of coach came later through the same person. So really what I was, what, what I really am good at also is knowing where I'm not good and having the humility to be like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but you do, and you're really good at it. So you can teach me how to do that. Well, that's so, I, I can show you too. I, I know a few things, but not a lot. I've got a basic, but uh, like if you heard our podcast, I mean, everything you hear, I did uh, just by yeah. myself. So um, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it's amazing what you can learn. And I knew I am not the most detail oriented human being in the world. And um, so I knew that I didn't, I knew that it was worth it for me ultimately to be able to pay somebody to edit my podcast because the amount of hours I would inevitably spend on it would just be excruciating and frustrating. And I didn't want it to be that. So my goal was always to kind of figure out how to get a couple of sponsors that would pay for my editor. And oh, I think there you gonna, go. I think that's going to happen with season two. That's so, great. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, finding people that want to support your message and finding people you want to support also. Um, but one thing I have learned is that you never get what you don't ask for. And yes. so that, yeah. that, you know, that's an important lesson that's helped me out too. And it's, it's given me the courage to ask for guests that I wouldn't ordinarily have asked for. My, where, where do you get your guests from? Like, what did you, would you use a tool service or something? No, it's all, it's all people that I've heard of or that are in my network so far. And, um, yeah, there's, and 
and I've gotten a little bit braver with asking. So my first guest on season two is a, is a author who I really, really admire. And I had seen her, she wrote a biography about President Trump and she had spoken to my, my writing class a couple of years ago. And she had kind of been on my list, but I thought there's no way that she would come on my podcast. And I follow her on Twitter Okay. She is brilliant. And I saw that she had tweeted that she was willing to waive her Skype fees for any teacher, regardless of grade, that wanted her to come speak to their class about her book. Oh, wow. So I saw her tweet that and I thought, maybe she is passionate enough about this election that she would come on my podcast. And so I DM'd her, told her who I was, and she agreed. And so that's, it's just awesome. sort of about people and kind of tapping in and just sort of having the courage to ask. I had the courage to ask. I went on a Twitter rant one day. I went down <laughs> every celebrity I could think of and I just <laughs> shouted them out. And I said, hey, what better podcast? I, unfortunately, it did not work out the way I wanted it to. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, you know, you have to be willing to get shot down. Well, you know, that's. Well, I didn't, I didn't, I get nothing. I got ghosted. So <laughs> I think part of the beauty of being 42 years old, my husband and I have kind of joked about this where it, like relative to me auditioning for this podcast sitcom, I'm like, it's so weird. Like a, what the hell? And my husband's like, or it's like a, what the hell? And yeah. so I think that's kind of, you know, you get to a certain point where you're like, you know, what I'm trying to do is more important than what people think about me trying to do it. And so what the hell? Like, sure, I'm going to ask. I believe in what I'm doing. And so if you say no, I'm at a place where I don't necessarily think it's personal all the time like I might have when I was younger. That's so true. And I think that that comes with maturity and with perspective. And I think that the more that we learn about others, it allows us to know like what we can handle. And I think that your message about being willing to accept rejection is really an important one. My mom has always said like, the only thing they can do is say no. Like that's the worst that they can do to you when you ask for something. And um, then she used to give me the the mantra of you have not because you ask not. And so it's like, I'm going to ask for it. And you know, people, yeah, people will look at life. They'll look at my life or look at Chris's and be like, well, you have all of this. Well, it's because we ask. We're willing. I didn't to do ask. That. What are you talking about? I <laughs> earned it all. <laughs> I think you're really right, and I think there's something also to being able to say out loud what you think you want, and and allow the universe to let those dominoes fall. Yep, I agree. Right? Like I am. I, I did an interview. One of my favorite interviews, honestly, is with a psychic medium named Marjorie Young. If you haven't listened to it, do. She is amazing, but she speaks to that intuition, to that pull. And there, I, I totally believe that there's something to that. And you have to be able to say yes. yes also. I agree. And, you know, I would say that that's very true with us finding you because Chris put out into the world and he in conversations with me that he wanted to find some remarkable guests with interesting stories. And he came to me that very night, just like an hour later and said, I've found this gal. I really like her story and I think we should have her on the show. And so that manifestation happened and we are so glad we had you on the show. Because I just don't really think I am particularly interesting. I just think I have a knack for finding interesting people. So I'm really, I'm really flattered and I'm really grateful for the opportunity. I don't talk, I I try to not talk about myself too much. (laughs) 
Well, we appreciate you talking about yourself here. And if people, when people find you super interesting, where can they find your podcast and find you on social media? So you can find my podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts. It's it's everywhere. I have a website right in front of my face.net where my whole catalog is. I'm at in front of my face on Twitter, at right in front of my face on Instagram, and right in front of my face on Facebook. I'm not that good at Facebook. <laughs> yeah, who really is anymore, you know? <laughs> I don't even get it anymore. And so I'm on I'm on Twitter and Instagram way more. Yeah, Twitter, you know, Twitter, when we got on Twitter, we kind of came late to the game. We had our podcast going for a little while. And then I'm like, you know, we should probably do a Twitter page. And this was probably like months after we started our podcast, like long time after. Oh, me too. You know, and I get the Twitter thing going because I hardly ever use Twitter. And Twitter is like really huge for, uh, in, for uh, podcasters, I noticed. It's crazy. I got my first troll last week. What's a troll? Like, uh, are you trying to bug you for oh, something? I got the meanest comments. I posted something. So I, um, I did a bike ride with my son last week and we biked across the floating bridge in Seattle and it was really fun. It was, but we wore our masks because a lot of people ride, it's kind of close passing and mm-hmm. our governor had tweeted about one of the cities in Washington starting to flatten their curve a little bit. And I retweeted it and I said, yay, Yakima. Now, you know, everybody wear a mask. My son and I wore one on our bike ride today and it was no big deal. And I put the hashtag mask up Washington. It's like hashtag mask up wa. And it, I, I haven't had a tweet get a hundred likes or any comments, but this tweet did. And all of the comments were like horrific oh, about wow my my son's bike riding and how dare we wear a mask and are we we don't need to wear a mask it was crazy but i thought i thought that i would react more strongly to having people say such hateful things but really you kind of look at them and you're like oh my god like you're miserable this is yeah. so sad <laughs> like, yeah yeah, yeah but um but yeah so that was a real milestone for me well, congratulations yeah, on you. getting trolled for your first time. You. I think thank that's you. definitely. Have you got your first? Have you got your first one star review yet? That's when it really uh, stinks home for you. <laughs> yes, I did, and it was so early on. And actually, somebody somebody made a joke. I had a I had a guest on who talked about her experience nearly getting divorced. She's episode oh, wow. two, and somebody was joking like, "Oh, it was probably her husband," because <laughs> I think it was after that episode. But yes, I have gotten a one-star review and they didn't leave a comment, which was disappointing. Same here. Same here. Well, we're I in the think, same boat. I think they just accidentally clicked the wrong button. That's, that's, my, <laughs> that's my theory. I love yeah, your positivity. I don't, I don't know. I It's so confusing to me. But it's also, I mean, I tell my kids this all the time. It's so much harder to be mean. Like it takes so much more energy to be mean. You really have to think about it when it's so much easier to be like, hey, great job love your podcast. Like you don't really have to think about that too much, you know, when that's reflexive, but it's important. I do try to tuck that in the back of my mind because not everybody's going to like what you do. My mom actually is terrified of me putting myself out in public. Um, unlike your mom, Christine, she is <laughs> not as risk tolerant. And oh. so it's been kind of interesting to hear her voice in the back of my mind where it's like, are you sure you want to be doing this? Are you sure you should be doing this? Isn't this scary? And so you know, I've had to really kind of get over that as well. 
Well, whale, whale, good job feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And thank you so much, Shannon, for being on the show with us today. And we are encouraging all of our listeners to go out and give five star, not one star reviews and subscribe <laughs> to Shannon's podcast. Uh, and we are just so grateful that you joined us today. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Feeling some anxiety from life's little inconveniences? Need something to take the edge off and put a smile on your face? Then you, dear listener, have stumbled into the right place. My name is Miles Long, and I'm the host of the Laughs and Rec podcast. This is an invitation to escape your troubles for a while and enjoy some fun and adventure. On this podcast, I talk about anything and everything, as long as we can have some fun with it. We will talk about fun, pointless topics, discuss news, play games, give amateur movie and video game reviews, drink, do Q&As, share and discuss food recipes, blow off some steam, have some interesting interviews with real and fake people, and so much more. Your interest is peaked, isn't it? At this point, you're probably wondering, where can I find this wonderful podcast and start listening? Check out the Laughs and Rec podcast on Spotify, Anchor, SoundCloud, and Podbean. You can also find the show links on Twitter when you follow me at LaughsRec or on the show's Facebook page. So drop in and visit me. Relax, unwind, and unclench from your stressful little life. Enjoy some you time and have some laughs and a little mental recreation here at the Laughs and Rec podcast. Hello, potential listeners. My name is The Vern, and I'm the host of the Cinema Recall Podcast. On most shows, myself, along with some great guests, we will talk about a movie and then some of the most iconic moments that happened in said movie. On top of that, you'll get bonus shows where I will give you short reviews about new and classic movies, or I'll just rant and rave about something going on in the entertainment industry. So come check us out. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, most other places. Don't forget to follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Cinema underscore Recall. And then on Facebook, Instagram, we are Cinema Recall Podcast. Uh, don't forget to email us your ad spots to play on future episodes. That email is cinemarecall at gmail.com. Hope to see you around, and thank you very much for listening. Well, that was a wonderful interview to have Shannon Hall on the uh, show today. Yeah, it was really intriguing. I loved how she talked about just creating space for people to share their stories and and share their journey. And how podcasting, how it starts off being this little fun little like experiment, how it kind of blossom to something bigger where you have a bigger perspective on the world and different people's opinion and views of everything. Yeah. And I would say that's really true of our journey in podcasting too. You know, we started it out as just being between you and I. And if you listen to our earlier episodes, it was like life, love, hot topics. And we would like pull these news articles and talk about them. And we've really transitioned into featuring a fantastic guest most weeks, almost every week now, and inviting these other people into our life and them inviting us into their journey. And it's just so rewarding. I think for me, it's about sharing, really. Like I do this whole podcast because we don't obviously don't charge money for the podcast. Obviously, most podcasts don't. And it's usually free. And, and for me, it's like, we, I want to I like to bring other people into it. So we kind of like share what we know and what we can talk about. It's like a big group. And I like to just, I'm, I'm all about sharing. That's who I am. You yeah. Know? And I think that the more that we listen to the stories of other people, the more compassionate 
that it helps us to be. And I liked how Shannon was talking about that, about like compassion and just, you know, building bridges between people that you might not typically meet in right. your life. Right. Yeah. And, you know, speaking on that topic and going back to our earlier conversation about the pastor that's going to marry us, I mentioned attending their church online today. Yeah. And his wife was preaching and she talked about this same topic like Shannon was about the importance of sitting with other people's stories and not sitting there to try and make yourself feel better about like if something's really hard, like let's take the topic. I know we don't talk about like religion and politics, but let's take the topic of racism in America right now. And wow. okay. well, and you hear of people uh, going to their friends that are black and saying like, um, basically, they're asking them questions, but it's help me feel better about what's happening instead of let me understand what it is that you're going through right now. It's like self-gratification, you're saying? Yeah. Like, on an emotional level? Right. It's like, I'm going to go to you just so that you can help me feel better about whatever hard things are happening. And so what Shannon was Wait. talking about... Go ahead. Oh, so you're saying like almost like... It's like... It's like when you watch the really horrible uh, TV shows or you watch the ones where people are like the show Hoarders, right? Mm -hmm. And you watch the show Hoarders on TV. If it's still on, I don't know. And we see people pack all this stuff in their little house or their house and it's packed in their house. How much clutter they have, how much of a mess and they're not eating right and they're horrible. And you're like, well, at least that's not me. Kind, yeah, kind of like that where you go to someone to maybe to make yourself feel better about it. So it's like better example would be, let's say, Chris, you've been in a horrible car crash and you're in the hospital and I come to see you and I just am standing there and I'm like, this is so hard for me, Chris. This is so hard for me to see you this way. And you end up saying to me, it's okay. It's okay. Like, I'm okay. Don't be so upset. In that moment, I should be there for you and your hurt. But in that moment, like the example I'm explaining I've made it all about me and the discomfort I'm feeling instead of being there with you. And I think what Shannon was saying and also what this sermon this morning was saying is being able to sit with other people's stories and not try to make it about you and how it makes oh, you uncomfortable. That's hard to do, it though. It is so hard. And especially when we're talking about really messy topics like um, the ones that they talked about in church this morning was about racism human trafficking, politics, all of the things that divide us, they tend to divide us because in ten, instead of sitting and listening to somebody else's story, we try to take our spin on it and make it about us. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's deep. It is deep. But I think that Shannon's podcast helps to model for us how we can listen to the experiences of others in, on topics that might be a bit more controversial. I mean, she mentioned topics like about um, gender identity, about racism, about, you know, a number of different factors that people have very strong opinions about. And people are very d divided about everything right now, and especially with the uh, election coming up, and especially about everybody's actual emotional feelings. Because a lot of people do a lot of things emotionally charged. Right. How what they say, what they do, who they vote for. Mm -hmm. um, I try to be more along the line of more. Um, how do I say this? 
uh, technical, I guess. Maybe. Yeah, more. You try to be like very logical and methodical. Logical, yes, I'm very, very logical. But I, what's funny I put is logic even, before emotion. But what's all funny the time. is when you're logical, you're actually very emotional about well, it. Uh, emotionally <laughs> logical. That's a new term. Emotionally logical. Uh, um, emotion logic. I don't know. I was going to try and come up with a blended word, but whatever. <laughs> but what I was thinking about is how you know this is all coming up in the midst of our wedding planning. And I was like this morning thinking of, well, maybe we need to put a sign up, like, please don't talk about politics at our wedding. But then I remembered our wedding is a couple weeks after the election. And so I was thinking, well, maybe it's not going to be as messy. But in this phase right now, like, everybody has so many opinions. And I'm wondering if it's more amplified because we have been so isolated from each other instead of being able to socially congregate and like freely exchange ideas and talk that it's all like oh please divisive go on twitter go on facebook people are freely talking about everything but that's what i'm saying i'm wondering if they're being a little bit freer on social media because we can't have in-person conversations to rub ideas off each other but this is not a new i think people have been doing this for years do you think it's been this rampant on social media before though oh yeah oh when facebook first came out or twitter first came out that's all people ever did about politics Oh, yeah, please. Okay. It was, you know, come on. Well, you know, I don't know. I'm just asking. People have had opinions since people have been around. And I think now with Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all those fun, fun, wonderful, delightful messaging services, <laughs> people have been very vocal about what their opinions are. And they're really the filter, really, unless you're a celebrity, and even then, people's filter really starts to go out the window. Right. They and don't think. People, when they, when they send something out on a messaging service, like social media, they really do not think, can this impact other people, what I'm about to say? It's really a self-indulgent platform. Right. You know, it's go- so it goes back to exactly what I was saying before, is like, as a society, we've gotten away from being able to sit with other people's truth and just listen to it with, like, there's this thing... You can hear another person's opinion, and even if it rubs up against your own opinion, you can still sit and respect it. But I think that where we've come in our nation is like, if I don't agree with you, you're my enemy versus I can hear your story and hear your opinion, and I can listen to it and then move on. But I think that we have started to become so hyper defensive about everything because, like you said, everything is so rooted in emotion. Right. You know, uh, and I think for me personally, I think we, if everybody would use more logic and less emotion, we'd all get along. Yeah, I was even thinking about and I might still do this, like creating uh, a matrix to help people lay out the major issues that are important to them in this election and then to literally write out where each candidate stands and look at it from a logical perspective because I think sometimes we're like, oh, I'm going to vote this party and only this party and this party forever. When what we might realize through investigating is there might be a different individual who better represents our morals and our conscience, it may have no impact. But I think like where I'm at with this election and politics is I feel like I want people to be more educated and intentional and less emotional about it. Does that make sense? And I would take a politics out of aside, and I would say less emotional about almost everything, you know, like every single thing. Right. Well, like not about love. Of course, love too. Everything <laughs> logical, uh, logical love. That's that's Chris's next book. Yes, look for it, Doctor Love. <laughs> it's called it's called Logical in Love by Doctor Chris, 
And um, it's coming out on Amazon Kindle Fire. <laughs> it's coming out on the paperback. And I believe it's going to be on hard book copy. Hardbook? Uh, hard book? Hard, hard, hard. <laughs> That's what it's hard cover. Hard cover. Well, no, we're a new one's called hard book cover. It's actually a big brick. You open it up, it's a pop up book and everything. It's great. You're such a nut. But that actually isn't a bad idea to like. And, and, and it does go back to, so we were doing our wedding homework last night with the um, getting ready for our vows and all of that. And so we were talking about these things like how we met and what we want our vows to be. And we were sitting down writing things up. And then you were mentioning how you approach things so logically, right? Of course I do. That's how I do it. And even like with dating, even with dating me. What do you mean? Like you said, like you approached it logically and you like you took things slower and you were very like deliberate about not calling me your girlfriend yet for a couple of months and those types of things. Right. Because even though emotionally you might pull you one direction, it's that you have to think about it. Like if I there's a lot of things emotionally people do that really can screw them over in the long run right. or later down the road. Like, I want to eat ice cream for dinner, but your stomach's going to say later, say, that was not a good choice. Right, because you have a dairy allergy or whatever, right? Right. Even though it tastes good at the time, emotionally, you are drawn to it. Right. Or even fast food, like crazy amounts of bad food, you eat a lot of it, and then you're 900 pounds later, and you can't get out of bed, and you're like, what happened? Right. You know, but emotionally, at the time, you're drawn to that. You have to think logically, like, logically speaking, um, what will this cause long term? And um, it just—it's just how I operate for yeah. the most part. You and know? I think that's been really helpful in our relationship as we've been stepping ourselves towards marriage. Is because of what we've been through. I think we're a little bit more logical about it. Of course, we're in love. We really do love each other. So there's a lot of emotion there, and we're very connected. But we also know, like, marriage is in addition to it being about love. It's um. I don't want to say like simplify it, but it's a contractual agreement. It's a it's a business. We're establishing the business of our household. Well, a family really is a business if you think about it. There is um, a CEO. Usually, it's the wife because she. (laughs) I love that. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Usually, she usually she's the CEO of the company, and and the uh, and the husband. He's usually the manager or assistant manager, really, like that. Because assistant manager always wants to be the boss or chief financial officer or something like that. No, I like assistant manager because assistant managers are always horrible. There's always the manager. (laughs) The managers at a company are usually like kicked back in their office. Okay, and the assistant manager, he's the guy that always wants to be in charge, but he never is. So he always tries to be extra authoritative towards, <laughs> towards the employees where the managers always kind of kick back and he's like okay we'll have uh assistant joe take care of it so he'll go with like hey you need me doing this and that and, blah, 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 blah. and then all that stuff wow so, tell me how you really think about me uh, but, <laughs> well i love you babe uh, thanks but what i was trying to say going back to this scenario is that when we talked about getting married, we tried to be more logical about like the blending of our family and like how this would play out. Because sometimes, I don't know if you would agree, Chris, people get so wrapped up in love and like the illusion of love that they forget about the hard work that it takes to keep a marriage together. Right. It does. It's not easy. Yeah. And so, you know, we just thank you, everybody, for sticking with us and for Uh, encouraging us along this journey and for listening to Shannon's great interview today. And the one thing that we one tidbit we would leave you with this week is to think of how you might be able to sit and hear the story of another person 
without having to make it about you or get defensive? And how can we create more space to each other so that for each other so that we can come together? That sounds wonderful, babe. And that was not strict scripted, everybody. It was perfectly off the cuff. Yeah, it was. And so with that, thank you for sticking with us for our first episode of year number two. And we will see you guys next week. Remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right. Forget about the ones who don't and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week, keep moving forward.